I have uh, now, sadly, two pairs of glasses in my workshop. Um, I have my safety glasses, which I wear all the time, or which I used to wear all the time, until uh, a little bit ago I started having to wear reading glasses as well. Um, and uh, so now I have safety glasses that I wear pretty much all the time until I get to a part in the process where I've really got to see a measurement like to the millimetre, uh, you know, and then I've got to take off the safety glasses and put on my reading glasses to see. And anyone who's got two pairs of glasses knows the pain of this part of life. Uh, because a, a true, true story, whatever pair of glasses I need are not the pair of glasses sitting right next to me on the bench. You know how it is? It's like if I need the reading glasses, I can always find my safety glasses, but not my reading glasses. And uh, if I need my safety glasses, for some reason I can always find my reading glasses, but not my safety glasses. Um, whatever I'm doing, it's always the, you know, the, other, the other pair that I've got with me. I had perfect vision, perfect vision for 48 years of my life. Um, but now uh, my glasses, my glasses problem are just a little reminder that perfect health does not last forever, does it? And there are some folk in the church this morning who are going, uh huh, uh huh. Um, we all get old. We all get old is a reality. I'm telling you, young people, we all get old. You will get old. And no matter how well we look after our bodies, eventually they start to wear out, don't they? Eventually they start to wear out. Yes, I know. You know what I'm talking about. Um, we're in a series in this church that we're calling Idols. Um, we're exploring some of the things that become, can become idols in our lives and in our culture. We're using Tim Keller's definition of what an idol is from his book, Counterfeit Gods, where he says that an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. And anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. And we've said that an idol isn't an idol because the way it was made. An idol becomes an idol because of the place that we give it in our lives. We've said that the reality is that, that lots of idols are, are, are good things. Um, they're, they're good things. The problem is that we take those good things and we set them up right in the centre of our lives. We set them up in that place in our life that only God should have. We set them up in a place in our life where we start to look to those things for safety and for security and for joy and for purpose and for meaning. And we've talked in this series about how we can uh, make idols out of money and the things we buy with it. We've talked about uh, how we can make idols of our jobs and our careers. We've talked about the idol of happiness. Last week we talked about the idol of family. And it really challenged some of us thinking about uh, the place of our families in our lives relative, you know, and how that sits alongside the place of God in our lives. And I want to talk about another maybe unexpected idol for us today. Not something that most of us deliberately set up as an idol, but something that in our culture, in our lives, can, can tend to just sort of slide into that spot in our lives, into that key place in the centre of our lives and today I want to talk about the idol of our health. I want to talk about the idol of our physical appearance, of our physical bodies, of, our, of everything that is our physical self. Because in case you haven't noticed it, we live in a world that is, that is obsessed with our physical bodies, our physical health and our physical self. 
A bit of Googling this week told me that in 2019, Australians spent $202 billion on healthcare. $7,926 per person in this country. And that was 2019 before we started spending money on COVID, right? We spend $20 billion a year on clothes just in this country. The average Australian woman, you don't get stats for men, unfortunately. The average Australian woman spends $300 a month on beauty care and hair care. $300 a month, that's a lot of money. And, and, and whenever, whenever you think about COVID, and we're not going to talk a lot about COVID today, the last two years have shown us, haven't they, just the lengths that people will go to to protect their health. Just how focused people can be on their own health. And while lots of things, these things might seem like new problems and why you might be tempted to think, well, it was better in the old days, the truth is that people have been obsessed with their physical selves for thousands of years. Jesus didn't live in a world with healthcare like we have it. He didn't live in a world where there were clothing shops on every corner. He certainly didn't live in a world where there were, uh, you know, beauty products and beauty care and hair care and all that sort of stuff the way we know. But Jesus still saw in the world around him people who were fixated on their physical selves. Listen to what he had to say into this kind of mindset, this kind of lifestyle. This is Matthew chapter 12, beginning uh, to read at verse 46. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. Is it not, uh, is it not more than food and the body, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who was a famous king, really rich, uh, not even Solomon in all of his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what should we eat or what should we drink? What should we wear? For the pagans, they're the people who don't follow God, the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Jesus' core message to his people here is pretty simple. There's more to life than what you eat and drink. There's more to life than what you wear. There's more to life than the physical you. He's saying that you are created in the image of your heavenly father. You're created as a spiritual being. You're created with eternity in mind. Everything else is just temporary. And, and Jesus didn't make this up. 
This idea has been at the heart of God uh, since the very first page of the story of God and his people. If you go right back to the very beginning of your Bibles, literally on the first page, Genesis 1, 26, God's very first words about people are when he says, let us make mankind, let us make people in our image, in our likeness. Friends, we're created in the image of God. That means we're created as spiritual beings in the same way that God is a spiritual being. Hundreds of years, thousand years or so after that, uh, there's a prophet Samuel and uh, God speaks to him and says, I want you to go on the search to find a king for God's people. And Samuel goes from town to town and and city to city and village to village. And he meets a family along the way. And he, he feels like God speaks into him and he says, this is the family. God's king will come from this family. And he speaks to the dad and the dad has eight sons, eight boys. And so the dad does what you would do if you're, bringing, if you're looking for a king. He brings out the oldest one, the biggest, the strongest. And Samuel looks at him and thinks, this must be the one. And in that moment, God speaks into Samuel's mind, into his heart, and he says this. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Put in your notes. Samuel was focused on the physical. He was looking at the outward appearance. He saw the son who was the biggest and the strongest, maybe the most handsome. He said, that should surely be the one. And God says, that's not how I look at people. That's not how, that's not what's important about people. That's not the way I've made people to be. I don't look at what's on the outside. I look at what's on the inside. That's what matters about people. 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth. Historians tell us that Paul was probably about 50 when he wrote this letter. So maybe he had two pairs of glasses in his workshop too. And Paul writes this. He said, For God, for God made his light to shine in our hearts. But we have this treasure, talking about the light that is in us, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. In other words, there's something fantastic, but it's stuck inside of something that's pretty ordinary. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, talking about the power of God, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. A few verses later, he writes this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, that's Paul's kind of summation of all the things that happen in our lives, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There's an eternal glory coming, friends, that far outweighs all of the, the light and momentary troubles that are happening around you. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul's letter to Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 6 through 18. Paul understood something 2,000 years ago that many of us forget 
even in this day, that we are far more than our physical selves. There's a physical us which is temporary. That's the seen part. But there is a spiritual us which is eternal. That's the unseen part of who we are. And while our health is important and it's okay to look good uh, and food and clothes are a natural and normal part of life, it's good to be fit and strong, all of those things. The theme through all of these writers is that there is something far more important than our physical selves. There's more to life than this. Now, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, if you don't believe that your creator is a spiritual being, then it makes sense that you're obsessed with your physical self because, like, that's all you've got, right? If you don't believe that you're created as a physical being, you should hold on tight to this life and to your body. You should treasure this physical life. You should do everything that you can to protect it and to look after it and, and to treat it well because when the end of that comes, that's the end for you. But followers of Jesus know that there's so much more. Followers of Jesus believe that life is bigger than this one. Followers of Jesus know that there's more to life than what we see around us. Followers of Jesus believe in resurrection. Followers of Jesus believe that there is eternal life that starts now and continues forever, even beyond death. Followers of Jesus believe Jesus himself when he said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. John 3.5 when he says born of water, he's referring to your physical birth. Like, I mean, this is the way they thought about uh, birth in Jesus' time. If you ever seen a baby being born, they come out all wet, right? They come out with water. So that's sort of being born of water. But he's saying there's another kind of birth that happens for people. It's to be born of the Spirit. There's a second birth that happens to people, a spiritual birth. And I want to say as clearly as I can, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this is the offer that Jesus makes to you. That you can be born again. You can be born again spiritually. You can be born again today. We still exist in our physical bodies. Nothing sort of changes on the outside of us. But when you're born again, there's something spiritual, something different that happens inside of you. It, it, it's, a, it's a rebirth, it's a spiritual rebirth made possible by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the good news of Christianity. That, that Jesus offers us an eternal life, a life beyond our physical bodies, an eternal life that starts now and that continues forever, even after we die. And I believe that God wants to say to us today what he said to Samuel 3,000 years ago. That God wants to say to us today what Jesus spoke to people who listened to him 2,000 years ago. God wants to say to us today what Paul was writing to the Corinthians, which is quite simply that there's more to life than this. 
look after your physical body, sure. Eat well and exercise. See a doctor when you're sick. But everyone will need two pairs of glasses in the workshop eventually, right? No matter how fit and healthy you are, no matter how much money you spend on, on, on beauty products, no matter how much you stress about your physical health, no matter how much you pray about your physical health, everyone gets old. Everyone will lose their youthful good looks one day. I'm going to lose my youthful good looks one day. <coughs> I'm not supposed to laugh at that. We don't that. No, thank you. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. Every one of us will watch our minds and our bodies fade at some time. That's just how life goes. And the reality is, as the joke always goes, the death rate is still hovering around 100%. Every one of us at some point will die. And if you believe that your physical self is all there is, then knowing that reality can be pretty scary. It can be pretty sad. Knowing that reality it could be something you don't even want to talk about. I don't even want to think about that reality that's coming. But if you're a follower of Jesus, knowing that reality and hearing that news, that news is just another step in the journey for you. The death is not an end point. It is a part of the journey. It is part of your eternal journey from this life to the next. So stay healthy and get fit and eat well. But don't set your health up. Don't set your bodies up, what you wear and the way you look. Don't set any of that up as the most important thing in your life. Don't set any of that up as an idol. Don't put any of that up in that central, don't set any of that up in that central place in your life where only God should be. Let's not get, let's not get desperate and, 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 and you know, get, get so focused on our health and our well-being and our bodies that we forget to be desperate and, and to focus ourselves on the things of God. Let's get desperate for Him before we get desperate about our health and our appearance. As Jesus said, let's seek first the kingdom of God. Let's be people who pray for justice and mercy in the Ukraine before we pray for another relative to be healed of their sickness. Let's be people who would spend our time and our money on sharing the good news of Jesus before we would spend our time and our money on research and buying some other latest health thing that's going to you know, promise us to make us live longer and better. Let's be people who worry about children being sold into slavery before we worry about the results of our next medical test. You know, I was reading during the week, human trafficking, the human trafficking trade generates $150 billion of profit a year. In this last year, the amount of money generated by human trafficking overtook the amount of money uh, generated in the illegal arms trade. And this year, it will overtake the amount of money uh, generated by the illegal drugs trade. And by the end of this year, human trafficking will be the number one illegal trade on the planet.
Nothing will generate as much money as the stealing and the buying and selling of people. That is horrendous, folks. That just makes me feel sick. That's the stuff that the people of God have got to be speaking into, have got to be working into. That's the stuff that ought to be worrying us and stressing us and taking our time and our energy. We need to get our lives centred around the things that make an eternal difference about the unseen things that last forever. We have to take hold of eternity and to put aside the idol of health and our physical appearance and put God where he belongs back in the centre of our lives. You know, sometimes in churches we say things like, um, Jesus died and rose again so we could have eternal life. You might have heard that. It's sort of a paraphrase of John 3.16, which is almost certainly the most famous verse in all of the Bible. It's a verse that even if you don't own a Bible, a lot of people know John 3.16. But that truth, that truth that Jesus lived and died to give us eternal life, that truth is supposed to change the way that we live in this life. Did you know that? That truth is supposed to change the way that followers of Jesus live. We're supposed to live differently in the light of that truth. We're supposed to live differently in the light of the truth that there's an eternity, that you are eternal beings and that having said yes to Jesus, that when you say yes to Jesus, you are destined for eternity with him. That ought to change not just what happens to you after this life, but it ought to change the way that you live in this life. We started this church because we want to help people discover that life. Discover that life now and live differently now and forever. The truth of eternity should free us. It should free us from the idol of physical, uh, uh, you know, the idol of uh, of health and our physical selves. The truth of eternity should free us to live for God and for his purposes in this world, you know, beyond how healthy am I and, and how sick am I and I hope my family's okay. We were created for something bigger than that. We were created for something eternal. That's what you were created for. That's what church, the idea of church, that's what church was created for. That's what Jesus lived and died for. Jesus calling for our lives is so much bigger. It's so much bigger than what we can see. It's so much more important than our health. It's so much more valuable than what you wear and what you look like. Isn't that the kind of life that you want? Isn't that the kind of life that you want for your children and for your loved ones? But that life can't happen as long as we put our health and our physical appearance and our physical selves right in the middle of our lives. That kind of life only happens when we put those things, when we move those idols aside and we put God back where he belongs in the absolute centre of our lives and we live for him first. Now and into eternity. 